Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm chatting with Tress O'Brien. So she is a filmmaker, an artist, a writer and a curator. And her amazing documentary, Town of Strangers, will open exclusively at the IFI on the 19th of March. So thank you so much for chatting with us. Hi, Gemma. Yeah, it's great to be here, virtually here. You got funding from very unique sources. So um, before we go into the fun, creative thing, because I have a feeling we'll go on a tangent there where that funding came from because I just know as, as filmmakers it can be very 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 difficult to film to fund a film um and you have some very interesting funders there so you would have gone in a lot more under arts funding than say I don't know like traditional things and county council funding as well so I'm just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about putting your pitch together and getting that if that's okay Okay, so I, I tried the more traditional routes. <laughs> so I went to Screen Ireland for development and for production and uh, didn't get it. And I went to, I was like on the, I was at the IDFA Academy, which is quite prestigious in Amsterdam and was chosen out of 100 people to, to pitch. There was only three of us pitching and I got like loads of amazing interest, but no money. Uh, so all this, you know, stuff. And um, so it was kind of like, yeah, you know, I was pitching it and trying to get the kind of more traditional documentary funding for it. But what happened was as I was making it, uh, other things happened and I kind of capitalized on those. And then, so yeah, I suppose if, 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 if it seems this is a film audience in this sense. So first of all, I was doing a PhD and I had a scholarship to do the PhD, which meant that I didn't have to do other work. So the beginning, a lot of the beginning of the film, you know, especially the research part of it and going on to, I filmed a lot of it myself as well, was just my own time, which I did not get, I didn't get paid for. So, you know, but I had the um, privilege of a small stipend that I could live on. So I didn't have to get other work at least. So that gave me time. Town of Strangers uh, is a film that involves, like, it's not just like I researched and then I filmed. And it's in some ways I use kind of what might be seen as ethnographic techniques. I, I embedded myself within the community. Um, like I rented a room from a Brazilian woman in the town to get to know more uh, of the Brazilian people who are living in Gort. I So I lived in like three different households um, in Gort by just renting rooms and get, that was a way of getting to know people. So it's a very deep uh, and a huge time commitment in terms of to to know you know to get to know people um and get to get to know the town to get to know what i was interested in so that was uh, partly research and partly i needed somewhere to stay and uh, so you know so that was like a huge part of it and that so even though that wasn't funded i suppose you know, I had a stipend and i said the benefit of time um i now have a child so i can't make a film like this in that way again or maybe i could if it's about my neighborhood just around where I actually live or something. But at that time I was footloose and fancy free, living in my van, going back between, living between London and Greece and Ireland and, uh, you know, working on my films and like just, you know, obsessed and passionate about it. And um, that's the way you gotta be to, to make something like this. I think, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's low budget DIY in the end, but it looks big on screen, I think, I hope. And so then while I was doing that, uh, the Goethe Institute, I can I hope I'm pronouncing, I still haven't learned properly how to say, I think it's Goethe Institute in um, the European one, got in touch with me, which rarely happens and offered me money to make a film without me asking for it, which is a rare thing uh, because they'd seen Eat Your Children, um, a feature doc that I had made a couple of years before. And uh, it was a whole scheme called Europoly where they basically paired um, a filmmaker from one European country with um, somebody from another European country. But um, I, they gave me a short list of people but said I could choose myself. So I was a big fan of a Catalan uh, DOP. 
uh, Gina Ferrer. And uh, so I got like, basically I just cherry picked like this person. I really liked her work. And like she came over from Spain and like uh, to Gort to make this short film with me called, the, which is called The Blow In, which is, um, which has been shown loads of places as well. And has, has had a whole life before Town of Strangers and is a kind of precursor and very connected film. Uh, to Town of Strangers. So I made the blow in on this budget, but I used two of the shooting days to, to, to start off Town of Strangers. Uh, so it was kind of a clever use of that fun. So I got to try out some of my kind of methods and techniques with the blow in. And then I used two of the days to start those auditions that are kind of become kind of a centerpiece of Town of Strangers. And then later when I was going for funding to the Arts Council and other places, I said, here's the blow in. I've made this film in Gort already. This is what I did in this film. This is what I'd like to do in my next film. So I was kind of clever and a bit lucky and a bit clever with that with that money and, and that project. And then later I got, um, I mean, the county council money now, I have to say, was in the low hundreds. And but still great to have them on board. And I've done other projects later with them. And then later I went, I had an artist in the community grant from Create and the Arts Council. And um, so there's a scene in the film that came out of a whole process of working with people that was about six months. It's like three minutes of the film, but it's like we had a um, we it was called the Exquisite Gort Migrant Film Project. And that was a whole uh, we had like film screenings and discussions together. And then we did a whole uh, series of workshops um, based on Augusta Boal's Theatre of the Oppressed, uh, but applying that to filmmaking techniques. And I worked with the fabulous anthropologist uh, Aisha Iman, who had gone through the experience of being a refugee herself from Pakistan. Um, and so it was just a whole process of working that is very, you know, it was happening over a couple of years with various fundings at different times that fed into the film. And then I got a large budget uh, from uh, the Arts Council, which was a film project award. And that was what really got me like singing, we'll say, with the film and really spread all these kind of ways, circuitous ways along the way. But that's T Town of Strangers is, you know, if I may say so myself, a kind of a unique film in a way in terms of how it works. It's not a traditional documentary or fiction and it's it's something beyond that. And it's, its process is part of the film experience as well. So it wasn't... So so much that that held me back it just I needed in some ways that time was all part of of, of this filmmaking process and finding the kind of um, directorial voice I feel like in this film it feels like my first feature even though I have made another feature doc this is I feel like I found my directorial voice with this film and it's it's really 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 beautiful and actually that's a really interesting route to come into a film with where it's, it's almost like you have gotten to see the subject matter from a kind of almost, I'm not 100% sure it's 360, but like from a lot of angles before you get to decide like where you come into it from, which is amazing, which, and, and have that time to kind of, to, to process it. So it, can you tell me a little bit about, a little bit about how you found these people and connected with these people? After the first kind of period of research, I decided to, to call an open audition for the film. At that time, um, I was still in early stages. I didn't know what the film was going to be as such. I had some ideas around themes and around ways and kind of maybe formal techniques I wanted to use and that I wanted to work with kind of, um, you know, this kind of, well, say, I call it a transcendent form that's somewhere beyond fiction and documentary uh, rather than a hybrid or a mix. Um, it's something else, again, that would probably be, have more in common with like Iranian filmmakers or a tradition of kind of poetic uh, filmmaking that doesn't, you know, this this kind of binary of doc or fiction. I mean, I get why we need labels and they're handy, obviously, on one, one level. Um, and they, they you, you watch a search and you've got an idea of what you're, you know, 
what's the kind of languages of a film when you have a genre like that. But I believe that in documentary, there are many genres within it. The documentary is not a genre itself. Um, and I suppose in, in that way, I'm really, Town of Strangers is really sort of um, uh, experimenting and exploring with, with all of those kind of boundaries and genres and so on. Um, and so I kind of knew that I wanted to do something that on that line. And I was uh, very interested in kind of what I call it um, kind of hybrid cultural identities and people from somewhere else coming somewhere on a journey, traveling, uh, what it means to be new in a place, um, how you connect with that, how you connect with yourself. So they're, they're, they stay there and they're themes that, that are very apparent in Town of Strangers. Um, but to go back to the question, I called auditions. For me, this this was this served uh, two purposes that were conscious, and later on, things emerged from it that I never expected. But the things that were conscious were one was very practical. Basically, if you were going to come to an audition, then you obviously wanted to be in a film. I didn't have to go off convincing you, or you know, because uh, a little bit of that had happened. There's so by the way, Gort has the best charity shops ever. There are at least four, and I think the fifth one has opened in the last couple of years. Charity shops in Gort. And um, a couple of them offer like tea, coffee and biscuits. And they're like basically like hangout spaces. I mean, this feels so nostalgic now with speaking from lockdown number 22. And um, uh, but I basically part of my my ethnographic research methods were like uh, eating custard creams and and tea in the back of these charity shops, chatting people up and uh, <laughs> basically going, you know, hello, that's a lovely blouse. And like getting trying to get to know people and find out about them and find out, find out about the town. And so this was and I was keeping a diary and all of this stuff, which has also became a kind of a semi fictionalized part of my Ph.D which is another story. And so this, the and then I met some people and they said, yeah, that sounds so, everybody was very fascinated. They were interested in it. But then when it came to it, they were like, oh, I don't know if I want to be in a film and da, da. And the last thing I wanted to do was try to convince anyone or force anyone. That's not my style at all. But then I was like, it was four months had gone by and summer was coming to an end. And I was like, I have nobody for my film. And I was like, well, what if I do auditions? And um, uh, people could come to the auditions and, uh, something might come of that and that for, first of all they're going to be wanting to be in a film so there's no problem there they're going to be like naturally natural performers hopefully because they, 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 they'll want to come along um, also that particular summer in uh, the Galway Film Lab one of my very favourite filmmakers who is an Iranian filmmaker of the kind of tradition I mentioned uh, Mohsen Makmalbaf who made uh, one of my favourite films which is Salam Cinema which is a film about a film but it's basically all auditions and uh, I went to a masterclass with him uh, as well. So I was really kind of like, okay, these auditions could be, you know, I had a hunch they could be something more than auditions. So I said, I will definitely film them. And I used that budget that I mentioned earlier to do those auditions. And so those auditions, and I asked for dreams, lies, memories, and gossip. Um, and I put posters up in Portuguese as well as in English because there's a big Brazilian population in Gort. Um, and I went around in my van with loudspeakers. And this is the opening of the film where I'm uh, basically saying, um, you know, people of Gort, there will be an audition in the town hall this Saturday. Please come and tell me your dreams, your lies, your memories, your gossip. People of all ages, genders, and nationalities welcome. No acting experience necessary. I said something along those lines. So this was my call out. And I, you know, I went around myself and put up the posters and I would chat to people. And that's how I met Hamid, who's a really important character in this film. And I just put a poster up in his pizzeria and said, oh, please come to the to the audition. And um, I was really surprised when he showed up and even more surprised at what he shared uh, shared with me in the audition space. And so when I did, so that's what I kind of had hunches around when I was calling for the auditions. The day that the auditions happened changed 
the course of the film. And I think it changed me on a human level without being too dramatic about it. It was a, a very, very moving experience. You know, around 20 people, we auditioned about 20 people that day in a room in the town hall. There was a sound recorder, production assistant, a DOP and myself uh, present. So, you know, it was like it wasn't that intimate compared to if we were at the kitchen table, you know, it was in a theatre and I used some of the props they had, they'd produced the field uh, the year before. And I used like it just, uh, uh, it, you know, it was going to be like a blank space. But I decided in the morning, you know what, I'm going to put in this, you know, old range and stuff and like just see how that feels. It just felt uh, intuitive at the time. But people um, talked about things when I asked them about home and dreams and so on. They told me things. So we started off talking about that, but other things emerged. And I don't really know how that happened. A lot of people have asked me that have seen the film, you know, how come people are so intimate and they share so many things in this space? And it's a little bit of magic, a little bit of alchemy and a whole lot of um, somehow trust. But it also taught me something about filmmaking and about the encounter you have with somebody when you're making a film, if it's respectful and true, which I believe it was in that situation. You know, in some ways, the film offered a space to be witnessed. And I think people, even if they wouldn't have consciously thought that they that was felt. And that's what when I watched over the footage afterwards, I, that's what I saw. And I was like, people uh, were using that space uh, to saying, I'm going to tell you this because I want I want it to be witnessed and I want my story to be out there. So it's like it's intimate, but it's not. It's actually, uh, you know, people are owning what they're telling and using that space. They know they're being filmed, you know, not just being filmed, but it's like an audition with, the, you know, in this kind of pretend set of a kitchen with, you know, four people. I was about three meters from them because of the camera and the setup and the mics and it was a boom operator. So it's not like a kitchen table situation. Um, so it's it's almost like the inverse happened because of that. And I think people use use that space because this, the, you know, in some ways, the people in the film, um, not everybody, but, the, you know, they might uh, be marginalized by society a lot of the time. So wh where do their stories get told? And here was a space for them to do that. And they took it. You really what I think is makes this perfect lockdown viewing is there is that sense of healing. Like it, it's such a it's such a powerful and truthful film. And again, it just feels so intimate, like those moments. Because That's kind of I was, you know, like it felt like you really cut deep to the core. And that's why I was saying as well that it's kind of deceptively simply portrayed because if you know, if you've kind of worked with people on cameras before, you know, it's it's not easy to get that honesty. I don't want to spoil anything and I don't want to say too much for anyone who's going to watch it. But just like, again, it's really nourishing to watch in a time like this. I think we're all exhausted with lockdown, but one thing, and it, like, and it captures it very well is, like how alienated some people are but then this this warmth and connection this very very truthful warmth and connection is is evident and you really feel I think as a viewer coming out the other end of it like you know those people and you've you've gotten some insight into someone's soul in a in a like in in a strange way but it's it's gorgeous so um, I'm so glad you feel that Gemma because uh, you know I feel that too and you know I just hope that that uh, translates obviously to an audience um, because you don't always know as much as you you feel it yourself and 
but um, I suppose continuing on from those auditions, I, uh, you know, I filmed on and off over two years. And so what you see in the film is a tiny snapshot of a relationship, actually. I mean, when I say a relationship, some uh, there's uh, nine people in the film, including myself. So, you know, I uh, became closer to some than others and so on. But there's like relationships of some sort with everybody in that film um, where we're hanging out. We're not filming. So there was a lot of, I did a lot of hanging out. I ate fabulous Afghan food, uh, Syrian food, Brazilian food, uh, Jason to know Irish food, um, like just a lot of hanging out, spending time, going for walks, going for coffees, eating together, uh, took a couple, uh, went, took Chloe and her friends up to see, um, uh, what was it called, the, the all-female Ghostbusters up in Galway on a trip, you know, uh, went hiking with Hamid, was like, swimming in the lake with Dido and her dogs. And there's a, a lot of like hanging out and time spent with people. So in some ways, what you end up seeing too is, so, uh, you know, there's relationships between us or an encounter um, of different different sorts there. And I'm, 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 in, I'm still friends with a lot of people in the film through that. Um, and that's, that, that's, you know, that's not that usual, I suppose, in filmmaking to have, to have that level of connection. Uh, I'm not recommending it necessarily. I'm just saying that that this that, that that's how I worked with this film, and it wasn't even that I decided to do that. That all just kind of happened, and it was a whole process over time. And one kind of event kind of happened, and I would or I would film something, and I would look at it, and I would go back, and I'd be wondering what to do next, and I wasn't sure, and so I'd like spend time again and kind of be thinking what might we do, and I didn't want to overfilm with people as well. I was also very conscious of. Um, you know, some of the people, the things that they told me, there's like a, you know, they might be vulnerable around that issue. And I definitely didn't want to um, pry or like force anything out of anyone. Like I'm quite a reluctant filmmaker in some ways, you know, I'm reluctant to shoot uh, in documentary anyway, because uh, with these stories, because I don't, I'm, I'm, I, I, I try to be really respectful and I'm very uh, private person myself in many ways. So it's a bit of an odd profession I chose for myself. <laughs> and also to make the decision to cast yourself in the film like to be a part of the film <laughs> well uh, that's another thing um you know I was I, I wanted the kind of making of to be part of it so I was always going to be in the film on a sort of like goofy director level kind of putting myself in it well spoiler alert I'm in the film a bit more and you sort of see my journey in the film as well um in a sort of poetic way uh, where I'm also sort of searching from home and showing some of my own vulnerabilities and anxieties around even making this film and and so on as well. Um, and that felt like a truthful thing to do, um, I, partly because I was asking all these other people, I suppose, you know, to, 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 to show something of themselves. So it felt like, you know, I, I, I needed to kind of take the same risks knowing that, of course, I'm in a different position and I'm obviously in a different position of privilege because I'm also like direct director and editor in the end as much as uh, as much as that. So I'm quite conscious of what I'm doing or I'm thinking about how I'm fitting in the film and how that person is fitting in and the relationships and so on. Uh, but that was a kind of an ethical decision in a way uh, to put myself in and a kind of a difficult one. But once I was and it was partly the editor, actually, I really have to thank um, Miriam Strugula, um, an amazing editor and now a good friend who edited this film with me and encouraged me to, to put myself more in the film. So a lot of those scenes, we sort of uh, went back and kind of reenacted and put them in later. So there's a mix there as well. And Miriam also really, um, she's very intuitive and emotional um, uh, editor. And it really suited me. I mean, it's such intense conversations editing that film, but also, she, you know, I, when we were editing, I went back 
I would go back at weekends and something would come up through the edit and I'd go back and try and film something else and I'd have an idea of what I needed emotionally. So I was never really engineering the scenes, but I was thinking emotionally, what does this need? Or, you know, and I would kind of go back and try and find a way of, of doing that. And so really in depth um, and immersive editing process, because I often think that, especially with documentary, the edit is as much of the, is the film as well like it's, it's as much yeah. a part of that the kind of heartbeat like sometimes you know people have their shot list but like really the editing is where the thing is kind of built in a weird way so you were shooting it as you were continuously editing of course I thought I did all shot when I started editing but I'd say at the in the end it's about I, the final film when I look back on it I mean I'd have to look exactly but I'd say roughly half of it was before we started editing and the other half was filmed during the editing process which was on and off over a year we weren't editing constantly for a year but a few weeks at a time and then we go off and do something else and back and forth like that and Miriam would be working on other projects I'd be trying to film something else and we'd come back or even trying to deliberately take a break from it and um, and so on. Yeah, so that that was that was a whole process in itself, which, you know, is um, was quite scary. And sometimes because I really felt like, God, do I have a film? Am I doing the things right? What's happening? Like Miriam really helped me to find the structure and the stories. And, you know, in a way, some of the more obvious things that people had told me around home and their stories around migrating and moving aren't in the film. And instead we have we hear what was kind of like subtext or something or something I hadn't been looking for. But Miriam helped me to glean. Um, in the edit and then we built on that in the extra shooting were stories around family and um, loss of connection and uh, the desire for connection and I think that's what makes the film um, so human and, and I hope uh, instead of kind of like saying oh those poor people or something there's actually a sense of I'm like that I know I see that in myself I so it's um, you know empathy rather than sympathy uh, which is like I, I really want to make a distinction between those things because I think in documentary sometimes we go more towards the kind of victimhood or the sympathetic and I really was thinking more no it's actually what is in this is when we watch a fiction film it's like we connect we have a cathexis with the character if you like and we 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 see ourselves in them or there's a mirroring and so on I mean this is all unconscious and so but it's it's conscious for me as a filmmaker but as an audience it should be unconscious but still very much felt it's kind of unnerving and that that's why I was like how on earth do you get people to open up that beautifully and naturally and and again it felt like you were having a conversation with somebody and they're just being super duper candid but not in a loaded way either I mean on reflection and and because I've been asked for this a bit and I never you know I actually feel um I didn't know that I did this and it was possibly intuitive I also I I opened up and I was vulnerable with those people and I think there was a relationship there that we we're on a par and that changed maybe the dynamic somewhat. I mean, it was still, it wasn't like, it was still obvious that they were being filmed and I was the director, but I think there was a real, um, you know, a genuine encounter with one another. That's what I feel like actually as a viewer to experience that. It felt very interactive. It did. And like I was very emotionally invested and maybe to a fault. I don't know. I mean, I, this film took over my life for three years. I was so into it <laughs> and um you know i felt like uh, kind of a psychological cathexis i think uh, sorry cathexis i think is what it's called where i was like beyond empathy where i felt that i was like experiencing some of the things that other people were telling me about which is like a kind of a psychological um effect 
And I felt that at times. And that's, you know, that was kind of a, you know, it's a vulnerable place to go in case you don't come out of it. I did. But, you know, and I was very, I was exhausted sometimes um, from it. And it was just, I, I was very emotionally and psychologically invested in it as well. And, you know, I don't know if you can do this for every film you make. And definitely if you want to make any money, don't do it. But um, like, it's, 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 been, it's been a very uh, huge defining experience for me as a human being, not just as filmmaker to make this film. Um, and in the film itself, then I try to um, express that poetically. So I do things like, so, you know, for example, um, Ilham, she talks about missing having coffee with her mother, who's in Turkey and she's in Ireland. Um, she's a Syrian refugee and um, they talk on the phone and the mother says, oh, well, come, I'll try and come to Ireland and I'll make you coffee. And she's drinking coffee. And then uh, you see a scene with me in my van trying to make coffee and it, I boil it over and so on. But I, you know, I'm trying to like make little connections there and Hamid is doing his washing and then I'm later seeing doing my washing in like a port uh, washing machine thing you know there's one at petrol stations and so there's kind of like echoes of that that I try to poetically convey in it with using cinematic language that are that are ways of conveying um my feelings my emotional feelings I suppose um through making this film so you it has screened now at a number of festivals so flying broom in Turkey docks uh Ireland Belfast Galway film flat and the cork international film plot were any of those in person were they did you get to watch it with people um yes thank god i have thank goddesses i have yeah and they've been really powerful experience and again it's like you know without laboring the point they've been like really special experiences too you know where it's like we're all going through this journey together watching it uh, i mean to various levels and because i'm i suppose when i say that i'm thinking of we had two community screenings in gort uh, one in like the local hotel and one with like gort vibes um cinema club back in the town hall where the auditions first happened and they were really special screenings you know where it's like the and you know where you feel a whole community taking on this film as part of their identity and the work they have to do and that they want to do and and uh, such interesting discussions afterwards and really um you know sitting in a room with people i mean i'm very passionate about this anyway cinema for me is my football you know it's just you know obviously you can watch the sunday game from your sitting room but going to the match is very different and so for me to go to the cinema and sit with other people and share that experience is a kind of um, a catharsis um uh, when it's when it's a good film you know and i felt that uh, when i was um in the fla also um you know in cork and hamid came and a lot of people came to those festival screenings that were in the film and of course in the gort screenings i felt the film was doing its work you know, when it was doing something, it wasn't, we weren't only watching a film, the film was doing its work. Uh, and I won't say what that is, because it's probably uh, too, uh, it's a bit mystical, and and also I don't want to be too leading. But I really feel it, it, it's doing its work. And I don't know how that will translate to online screenings or how people will watch it, and I won't be sitting there with them and, you know, trying to feel the vibe. <laughs> so it's going to be really odd um, in that sense. Lovely emotional moments in it. It would be really disappointing to miss those with, to, to feel the, the audience reacting to them. Like, and they're just such nice little warm arcs. Like they're, it would be a shame. So I'm delighted that you did get to really experience it. Cause there's nothing like being in a space and feeling that kind of mass shift of emotion. It's really powerful. 
yeah you feel it it's just you're right it's like if you could measure it all with a measuring emotional stick or whatever you know but you can feel it it's amazing like how we affect one another and it's i have no scientific basis or anything for this but i think i hope that people listening to this kind of know what i mean you you may have felt it at certain moments it would make maybe it's not cinema but this kind of collective uh feeling and there's something rippling through a group you know uh something we miss so much in lockdown isn't it you know i suppose even in a festival where you're all you know, uh, you, you you all start dancing to the same beat or whatever it is, you know. Uh, and there's something about that. In, and so it's not just the cinema, I'm sure, like uh, I'm uh, theatre goers and, and, and going to gigs and all this. These are, as well as football, these are places. But I think the cinema is, is a place as well. Where, where we're, and the cinema is a place where it's, I suppose it's on a psychological level, you're all sitting in the dark, kind of dark, being, you know, the light is coming from the film itself, you know. So it's kind of um, a very specific um, kind of experience where you're sort of alone and not alone um together together alone i suppose and in the, the, the film uh has that kind of together alone feeling i guess uh with with the kind of themes of of kind of loneliness and reaching out for community that are in it um i also wanted to ask you about your aesthetic as well in it because that's something that's very very striking um like at times it almost the, the way it's framed the way it's structured it, it has that kind of almost was andersony feel like it's, it's beautifully um up there on screen and how did you decide upon that going into it did you have like would you put together a mood board would you have big discussions with your DOP before you go in what would be your kind of prep for that um yes I would have I would uh draw I would draw pictures in my notebook um I would take pictures take photos um I try out little things like I'm very hands-on I like filming myself and quite DIY as well I would watch, I watched a load of films as well and was like, I like this, I like that and so on. So I really would be very thoughtful. And then, yeah, I would also have a conversation with the GOP. And the reason I was attracted to Gina Ferrer's work was I liked her aesthetic. But what the aesthetic in Town of, Stra uh, Town of Strangers is neither hers nor mine, but something that, you know, is is something we 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 came up with together, you know. But she was she was very influential in that. But I would definitely, if, I mean, have a more sort of um, tableau or flatter style, if that's if that is the right word, is in. She was much more of what might be like more the kind of art house European cinema, kind of, you know, huge pull focus, depth of field kind of um, uh, shots, whereas I'm kind of more like, because um, I know this is sound and I'm gesturing madly with my hands now <laughs> like how can I describe this in sound uh, a more sort of I say tableau style where people are sort of presented in a more 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 um, full frontal or profile if you like and um, so you see like the close-up of their face um, and it's like from the front it's not a three quarters which is the more European style I suppose traditional we'll say traditional art house of such thing can be said that's not an oxymoron but um uh, I hope people know what I mean there, uh, but there is this, this, it's very thought through in that sense, yes. In fact, actually, I had the original idea for the film was that all the auditions were going to be 4-3 and all the uh, dream scenes were going to be um, cinemascope and that the film would be mixed in between the two. But that wasn't, uh, so when we filmed, we actually had tape on the camera to do that. I've forgotten that, but it didn't quite work in the edit the way that we wanted. And plus the film also, because it became such a process-based film, it wasn't just auditions and it wasn't as clean as that in the end. Um, it became like much more with this kind of film about making of the film and all of these other things. So I didn't want to, I could have then, it would have become like a 69 bit as well, which would have separated things, those things too much rather than making it a little more um you know in a way when you watch the film even though you can kind of tell which which is which obviously there is a sense that they're uh blending into one another and um you know uh interwoven let's say rather than 
just plays side by side. Another thing is the music. So when you're in the edit space so much, right? And, and the, the film is kind of taking shape and you're filming at the same time. When is it that you, um, I know you, was it a lady called Irene did the soundtrack? So the soundtrack to Town of Strangers, uh, some of it was planned and some of it came about uh, through through the filming and getting to know the characters. So from earlier on in the process, when I applied, applied to the Arts Council, I uh, asked uh, as part of my budget to, to commission a new music uh, from Irene Buckley, who had uh, given me music for my last film, Meet Your Children. And I love her music, which is, um, you know, very, very cinematic, like these very ethereals, uh, dreamy soundscapes that were, you know, I knew would really suit this kind of these dream scenes of my film. Um, and so they're in the film and they really tie together the kind of like soundscape of the whole film. So there's a real kind of, they, you know, they come and go throughout the film and give it that sense of of, of togetherness, if you like. And then um, each character, as I said, is, is so subjective. As I was filming, things happened that involved music, um, either diegetically within the frame or an association with somebody um, through something they told me about or something that they liked or something that I felt suited their personality. Um, sort of started to happen and then I got attached <laughs> to those pieces and um, you had to fight for them with the with the co-producer and uh, and won <laughs> most of them anyway and um, so so there are things like there's an Afghan pop song for example that Hamid is dancing around his flat to and there's a uh, which just had to be that one you know like Irene can't go off and make like a cheesy uh, Afghan pop song you know uh, that's not her thing she she does her thing very well um and but so that you know we went off and got the rights for that and that becomes but i use it as, as you'll see in the film it's it's used diegetically but then you go on to another scene where it's used in a different way and it becomes almost like a loud um sort of interruption in in in, in hammy's head that he can't get rid of whereas it starts out with this kind of more um fun dancing scene similarly there's like an evangelist um pop song by Ludmilla Ferber Nunca Pare de Lutar which I still can never get out of my head so catchy which means uh never give up or never stop struggling uh La Lucha Sigue so Nunca Pare de Lutar and that's so Josie who's one of the characters in the film she's um that scene is her improvising a sort of a dance sequence for her uh her Sunday mass that she's doing with her friends and her friend is like pushing her to the ground and each time she tries to get up she pushes her back to the ground and it's to that music and I mean I did try in the edit replacing it with other music and it worked pacing wise and whatever but I just felt well that mean that really meant something to her and she was so connected with that and so we went and luckily got the rights for that as well and yeah so I won't go through all of them but there's there's quite a few different yeah, musical types there I'll, I will, maybe I'll talk about a couple more if there's time yeah, yeah, please do it's uh, very very interesting them their, their dues I suppose because I really want to talk about Leon Holmes who's from Gort and he made his very first ever rap song uh, makes his debut um, so introducing Leon Holmes made Gort Anthem uh, which talks about what it's like to live in Gort so it's so specific and I heard it I was like yeah this has got to be in the film and it becomes kind of Chloe, who's a teenager in Gort. It becomes, you know, her sort of anthem, if you like. So things really got connected to the to, to the different characters in ways. And then Irene's music uh, keeps it all together um, overall. And then the other, the final question is, like, it was such a long time. And I presume <laughs> such a big learning experience. Uh, is there anything that you would kind of warn, your, not warn yourself about, but is there any advice you would give yourself starting out on this project like now having lived through it wow i mean that's like um 
you could apply I, as I said it was such a big experience for me that was beyond a film ex, filming experience it was you know, such a human experience for me um that it's kind of hard to say because parts of it were really tough and I really struggled as much as there were very joyous and creative moments as well um but you know a lot of the time I was lost and searching um so you know in that sense you know art imitates life and so on um but but in you know so in a way you know you could at any like any experience in life you can look back on a hard time or you know you can kind of go I wish I wasn't I wish I didn't do that but as you know well as mo for most people this stuff uh, gives you resilience or it teaches you something about yourself or it puts you in touch with your own vulnerability and other people's and it's it, you know it increase it has increased my compassion and empathy um, with other people and with myself somehow um, so I suppose I can't regret it or change a thing. That's lovely. That's really nice. Um, so that, that's everything, unless there's anything you want to add. So a lot of people came to these auditions that don't end up in, in the final film that were so uh, wonderful and interesting. And I want to I want to thank them, too, even though they don't they're not in the final film. They're, they're somehow part of it or they still informed um, some of the kind of content or issues of the film, I suppose. Um, and I really want to thank uh, the people, the, the, the main people that, that are um, you know, I can refer to them as characters because in some ways they are, and I don't mean that in terms of that they're not real people, they are, but they, I suppose, you know, it's, 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 it should go without saying, but even though this is a documentary-ish kind of a film, people are showing or choosing to show um, one part of their lives or a snapshot or one part of themselves. It's not the whole person, it's not the whole story. And I want to thank them for for um, going there and for showing themselves um, in a truthful manner and for, for kind of meeting me um, in that and uh, ultimately meeting you, the audience watching the film. Um, I'm hugely honoured and, and um, humbled by, by the, those encounters I had with people. So um, thank you all. Beautiful. Okay, that's lovely. Oh, that's so nice. Well, thank you so much. And, and the bar, my absolute pleasure. It was really, really meaningful. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.